Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to have my friend Brittany Moultrip on the podcast today. She is a foster mama and adoptive mama, and we've gotten to know each other really well over Instagram DMs, essentially, and I'm just so excited to finally have you here. So thank you, Brittany, for being here. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful Absolutely. to be here. Yes. So will you just start by telling us a little bit about your family right now? Who's all in your household? So it's my husband and I, Jonathan, and our son, and he's um, a little guy. He's a toddler, and we have a baby who's been with us about a year. So we just call her Sissy. Yep. Oh, we call our little girl Sissy, too. (laughs) Yes, that's so good. Okay, and so you obviously have been a foster parent for a while now. When did your foster care journey start? So we thought about it while we were living in Texas, but we decided we really wanted to wait until if we ever moved back to New England um, to live near family, to have that support system. And also because if we want to travel and stuff and bring the kids along, we would have to have, you know, something somewhat local. So we decided to wait. And so we started the classes in 2017 here in our state, um, home state of New Hampshire. And we weren't licensed (laughs) until 2018, which is not, that's not going to happen to everybody, but that's what happened to us due to some construction that had to happen on our home. And it took a little while, but we got it done. We decided to just pay for it versus like wait till we moved and we really wanted to foster. So that's how it took a year and a couple months for us to get licensed. Wow. Okay. So what made you and your husband decide we really think that foster care is for our family. This is something that we are definitely passionate about enough to do the big construction projects for. Right. Uh, So I feel like we're not as exciting as a lot of people's stories. Uh, we're pretty just cut and dry, but we also, we've always wanted to adopt, um, that has been on our hearts, but we were pretty naive about what that entailed. And so my husband actually brought up to me one day, he's like, Hey, I feel really led to look into like the foster care system. And I was like, well, but that's different. And he was like, I had no idea what it was, what it was about. And he basically said, you know, there's kids that are waiting that need families that are in there. I said, oh my goodness. And that would be like local, right? So like these children would be from our town. They would be, you know, part of, and at the time we were living in Texas, but I thought, I mean, I had always had a heart for like international adoption and again, had no idea what that was. And so when he brought that up, something just sparked inside of me. I was always the gas for the like adopting and he was the brakes. So mm-hmm. when he said that, I was like, I think I need to lean into this. Like, this is, this is really cool. And so of course being the researcher and the gas, not the brakes, the one in the relationship that's like, let's do this. I started researching and he was like, wait, let's wait till we get closer to family. Cause we were like, you know, 2000 plus miles away from any family anywhere that could you know help us out. So yeah, we got to New Hampshire. We waited two years, not even two years after we got here um, and started the foster classes and we really just never looked back. It always felt like it was for us. And so that's just kind of how we started. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your first experience with foster care. What was that like? Who came into your home and what happened with that? 
Yeah, that's it's my favorite story because um, we were so young and so new uh, at parenting, as well as you add in all of that foster parenting that you have to take like TBRI classes or trauma-informed parenting style classes. You have to learn about what a life, the day in the life is like for a child that is in care and you have to be really prepared. And so, you know, they, they licensed us not having any children. And for the first call we ever got, we've never said no to a placement ever um, until last winter. And that was our first no, but it was like a two week thing, but we've never said no to a placement. So I got this call and I was just telling her like, Hey, I've had a nursery. It's been ready for a year. We're thinking littles to start maybe like up to 18 months, just cause we're super new. And I only really know how to take care of babies. Um, and I just want this child to have success in our home. And we said one, which is a very unique situation. But my husband was really adamant that we start with just one. And I was like, what about a sibling set of three? He was like, no. <laughs> so they called us about a little three month old boy. And my husband's name is Jonathan. And I said, okay, well, tell me something about this child. And you know, where is he? Why is he there? What size diapers is he wearing? I thought of all that stuff. And then I said, wait, what's his name? And she said, oh, his name is John. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, that's okay. Let's take him. <laughs> Let's just do it. I'm going to call my husband really quick. And so we adopted him and this past May. He is our guy. He's our son. So he was our, he's our guy forever and always. And it was a really good experience, honestly. I don't know. I had no idea the stress that was coming, you know, but we're really glad we took the dive and started out. And um, yeah, he's just, he's our whole world. <laughs> mm, he's so sweet. I love, I love seeing little pictures of him on Instagram. So what was it like for you in those first initial months of having John in your home and getting used to being parents for the first time, but also navigating the foster care world? You know, the first, I would say the first week I was in like full panic mode of like, oh my goodness, you know, we just brought home a really young baby. He was still almost a newborn at this point. And developmentally, he was definitely more of a newborn. And he's like a really easygoing baby. Um, he was very, very refluxy with the spit up, but I just, I got really overwhelmed right away. And we'd never had a child before. And then by a few weeks in, we started to notice he was having a hard time with the transition to our home. Um, he really loved his foster mom, who was actually a really good friend of mine now. I just love her family and we go to her kids' birthday parties and she comes to ours. It's just amazing. Um, but I just, if, if I had just been able to swallow my pride a little bit, I would have called her and said, he needs you. You need to come over. She was five minutes away. I get really emotional talking about it because my hubris got in the way of saying, this little guy needs you and you need to come over and kiss him goodnight because he's having a really hard time and maybe hold him and, and say goodnight and sing him a song from your house. And so I did my best to learn their bedtime routine, but I wanted him to feel comfortable with me and I wanted to do it myself. And I was really, I'm a very independent person. And so he would have probably done a lot better in those first few months if I had just had her come over more. We only did a week long transition. I had no idea about child development and how detrimental this was for him. And he did right around nine months. He really started to feel comfortable with us. He was with us basically from four months until um, nine months. He really took until he felt like, wow, <laughs> mm -hmm. like fully settled in. It took him a long time and we immediately fell in love. And for me, it was easy at first. I had to go right back to work because you know, foster life. <laughs> yeah. And I remember calling like a hundred different, I think it was like 90 to hundred different daycares because I only had like a week to get them in. <laughs> and uh, I learned so much I could share with new foster parents in that part of the journey. That's like, Hey, you don't have to do it that way. But I did it that way. 
Um, and I was right back at work and um, he was in daycare and I cried putting him in daycare for the first time and worked full time. And, you know, it was really good for me to work and feel fulfilled as a mom while having a little guy. But I definitely changed those first few months. I couldn't wait to get out of work and pick him up from daycare. (laughs) So and it was like an instant bond for me, but he took just, you know, I would say several months to really walk in the house at the end of the day and look around and be like, yeah, this is, you know, babies at that developmental stage mm-hmm. can look around and be like, hey, I'm home and cooing and stuff. So, but he's really, really attached, really bonded and really just typical, normal and happy mm-hmm. now. And that's saying something considering all of the things that a lot of these children go through. Um, and need that advocate, you know, so it took, a, it took a little while, our first child, for sure. I'm so thankful for you for sharing that. And I actually was just hanging out with friends um, yesterday and they were asking me the story of when our son first came to us through foster care. And he had been in another foster home for six months of his life before he came to us. And I, the same thing happened. Like I noticed, like for me, I mean, we took his little snow hat off and I was like, Oh, like Matt, like to my husband, I was like, I've never experienced love at first sight before until I saw my son. And I literally, I, and I said, I was like, it's so crazy because it's so weird. And it didn't happen exactly that way with our daughter. When she came, like it was a little different with her. It's I guess different kid to kid, but I literally just felt like I like, I don't want to be without you. And it's so horrible to even say that out loud, but that's how I was feeling. And I always want to be honest. Like I felt like this kid was meant for our family. Now, I don't know if that was my feeling or if it was God telling me that, or if it was just whatever, like, but I, it's hard then to live in that nuanced space of like, you're supposed to be (laughs) working towards reunification and, and rooting for bio family. And of course we were, but to also be just like so in love with that kid so instantly. And then to also notice you're not like when I had held and and nourished two other babies before him and to know, like he is stiff in my arms, he's not comfortable here. And it worried me too. And I, I love how you shared that because it is true. And I think sometimes we don't expect that. I didn't expect that. I don't know. I just didn't know to expect that, that like, they're not going to be comfortable right away. You're not their person, (laughs) you know, you haven't been their person yet. So thanks for sharing that. What did you do to work through that and help him to feel more comfortable? I mean, how did you handle that? So I should have called the foster mom who had three other children and said, you know, help, but I was prideful. And I also wanted to make sure that I was seeing what I was seeing. So I started looking it up online and I was reading about the purple crying phase and thinking that's not quite what's going on. And my husband and I, like a weekend, we would take him outside for fresh air. We would blanket him up and he was it was almost January at this point we had him a month and we went out in the cold and we would wrap all three of us in a quilt and he had his swaddle and he would just get he would scream and scream and scream and scream and scream but during the day and he would go to anybody because he had a nanny during the day at the other home she had like a private nanny she was just amazing and super mom she was a teacher and so he was with the nanny so he was used to being passed around she made sure that he was used to the, he's a baby that was really jolly like he was chubby and had big cheeks and he would smile at anyone it was cheap smiles cheap laughs and he loved to be passed around so he was getting used to us but then at night it was like okay something's not right and so we would research it and my husband and I would take turns and we would you know, call my mom and we would ask for help, but we just didn't, I I almost felt like jealous of the other foster mom a little bit, if I'm being honest, like, okay, like enough is enough. Like you had her for that time. I wasn't mean, but I, in my heart wanted to take, 
take things into my own hands. And I almost felt like shy with her because she was this super mom. She had four kids for a little while and like, wow, how do you have four kids? And so I just wanted to prove to her that I could do it. And I don't want her to think that maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we should call the agency and have them move him back for a few months. I couldn't do that because I loved him so yes. much. Like, <laughs> and he loved me too, but it took him time. He loved yes. me like he would love a caregiver, like, a, oh, you see me during the day. But it got easier. Two weeks of screaming. And then one day it just clicked after two weeks after that. So it was like his first week was the honeymoon. And then around se- day seven or eight, he started screaming for like four hours a day, right around evening and wouldn't mm-hmm. settle, wouldn't settle and wouldn't take a bottle and he wouldn't calm down. Um, could have been teeth too, but I think it was trauma. And then by the time those two weeks of like screaming every day for four hours was up, he really was easier to console. And um, I did take some help and some breaks, but I was so ready to be a mama. I didn't want a break. I didn't even want to put him down. <laughs> I wore him and that really helped too. Baby wearing is something we're firm believers in, mm-hmm. um, especially for kids in care because they don't understand where their birth mom has gone. Mm-hmm. They had the connection and lived under her rib cage and heard her heart and listened to her voice and the voices of the people around her. And then she's just vanished mm-hmm. and they might see her at visits, but it starts to get a kind of like a dwindling mind. Um, memory and then it's like gone and so I wanted him to have somebody and I didn't force him to sit in the baby wrap but he was always really happy to be baby worn and his previous foster mom had baby worn him when she could she had three other kids um, as much as possible and that really helped too yeah that's amazing I feel like I think you're just doing such a great job of sharing the parts of you know your experience that were like I wish I would have done this differently but also this is what we did and it worked and it helped and I think that's so important that there's always things that we look back on like hindsight is 2020 so we need to have grace for ourselves that we did the best we could in any given moment and the more that we know the more that the better we do you know and then this is why conversations like this are so important because we get to share with other foster moms and prospective foster moms like you might want to be on the lookout for this. Maybe you wouldn't have expected this. I definitely think if someone would have told me, you know, they might have some attachment issues. I mean, and I do this for a job. Like I still wouldn't have all the way believed it just because it hadn't been my experience yet. And our experience is always our most, you know, our biggest evidence, right. That we believe. So yeah, exactly. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. So you have adopted John. When did you guys adopt him? May 4th, 2021. So we're coming up on his year anniversary and he wasn't even three years old yet. It was almost three. And so, yeah, he, he knows he's adopted. He talks about it a little bit. Um, and he walks around saying, ah, John, (laughs) just like that. Ah, John, Oh my God. He's doing really well. Really. We're in therapy Mm -hmm. every, almost every week. Um, working through a lot of things, but he is just a very happy, almost just typical, very typical three-year-old boy. And I think that's important for people to hear too, that like, yes, there can be trauma. There can be the adjustment period. There probably will be for whatever age kid you have, but they're so resilient. Like kids are so resilient. Humans are so resilient. And just with that love and giving them the support they need really does help to solidify them into, you know, normal development. Truly the trauma is always going to be on the back burner, but they are 
these beautiful, resilient creatures that are just, you know, benefiting and thriving um, in, in your care. So it's so sweet. And then, okay, so you adopted him last May, so almost a year ago. And then when did little sis come? So we actually had a season of a year, nine months. Uh, we had three babies. <laughs> so we're done with babies. <laughs> we're yeah. really tired. We started sleeping through the night recently. We're like, we're never going back. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> so she, little sis, is uh, looking like she will probably be staying. The other ones were short-term placements. We wanted to, we, so after we took John in and we, you know, knew his case was headed that direction, we were like, um, I really feel like we could help more kiddos. And our first placement kind of was random. It was a little um, like you know, NAS baby who was um, only four days old and it was a girl. We had said boys because we had boy stuff, but we would take whatever. And um, we ended up just our local hospital. We ran over, we went to Target. We had a half an hour, we ran to Target. And I literally was laughing and crying, throwing baby girl bunnies and pink outfits into the cart. Like, <laughs> this is happening. So we went over and picked her up and she went home that night. She was actually discharged. And so after that, she was only with us a month. They kind of picked us out as like, okay, you're like the really the preemies and the little NICU babies and the little and like NAS or, or drug exposed babies. Like you're the, you're the people we could call. So we had uh, a season of a couple of those in a row. <laughs> and uh, I think we've had our fill of newborns and newborn screaming and, <laughs> you know, all of the stuff that goes with like formula intolerances with the babies that are really sick. So uh, little mm-hmm. sis came in, uh, she was born in November and she came in January, 2021. So we've had her a year and a month and a half. So Mm -hmm. she is doing really well. She was our most medically fragile special needs kiddo we've ever had. Mm -hmm. And it was a long road. I had to leave my job for it uh, because I couldn't put her in daycare because nobody will take a baby on oxygen tanks and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trust them to take a baby on oxygen. So it's, there's so much I could share about her health, but she just, she's doing really well. And we moved in there, a uh, local move, and it was not planned. It was not a part of the plan. <laughs> and uh, it was wild, but she's been with us a year and a month, a little over a year and a month. Okay. That is just amazing. And did you know the extent of her medical needs when you decided, yes, we're going to foster her? Yes, we did. I feel like we were, it's actually like a, a numbness in my brain when I remember what made us choose. <laughs> but I think the two girls, the last two we had were, they compounded from the little girl we had in March, 2020 to the little girl summer, 2020. And then little baby was born in November, 2020. Mm-hmm. And they kind of compounded each one got sicker and sicker. And so we, we sort of just, we get these calls and we're like, we've never said no to a placement. And I just said, I, I just don't know who's going to take this placement. That's the thing. Like nobody's going to take, she wasn't on what we call ISO level up here, which is independent service option. I don't know what other states have, but up here, that basically means if you go home on medical equipment or if a child gets into a situation where they need medical equipment or special medications or tubing or anything in that realm of special medical, they come with a different license, more credit hours are needed to get placed. One parent is usually a stay-at-home caregiver. And usually there's more money involved because people have to quit their jobs for it. So there was a big mistake that was made somewhere where this little, this little tiny girl was considered a general foster care placement. And I just said to my husband, honey, I just feel really led. Mm -hmm. I can't say why it's kind of all a blur, but we just need to take her. Like who's going to take her? You know, she's beautiful, but she's a lot, (laughs) like a lot of work. And so we just, we just did. 
we just went up and met her at the hospital and they, they had a rep from the oxygen company come out and teach us how to use the tanks. And I was thinking, this is a very bad time to teach us this. I'm in tears because of the stress. But at the same time, my husband said, do you still want her? And the caseworker that came by was like, do you still want to take her home today, this, this Saturday? And I was crying. I said, I'm not crying because of you. I'm just, it's a lot of information today. I need to go home and review my things. But I really, we really have decided we want to take her home. So that's kind of how she came to be a part of our family. And honestly, I was really confident once we made the decision and I got a night's sleep and a little bit of food in me. Uh-huh. Um, Cause you know, staying at the hospital with babies all day, every day, you, you don't yeah. really take time to eat. You can't right. eat in the NICU. So, um, and the little decibel meters are always going off. If you uh-huh. try to talk on the phone or anything, you can't leave. And so by then with COVID, you have, you can't come back if you leave for the day. So you have to stay. So you really, oh just, everything was shut down. There was no cafeteria. So I was crying because I had been fasting, not purposefully all day with this baby and had maybe a sip of water and I just needed to get a good night's sleep, have a meal and wake up refreshed and make our decision. And we did, we took her home four days later, January 9th, um, last January 9th. So So amazing. And you said she's doing really well now. She's like really healthy and growing and thriving. She is. I learned to become an advocate. So we were on like eight different formulas last year. We were with three different specialists and she ended up having a procedure done last May, right before our move to a local move we had. And I stayed in the hospital with her. She had surgery and then she was released. And so I stayed, they wouldn't let my husband stay. And shortly after that, when summer hit, through the summer, she was on oxygen and she started to wean off the oxygen and um, all of the special medical. She was able to get off reflux medication and she didn't end up needing a GI to put in, but she's very underweight. So there's just a lot of special feeding that you have to do and advocacy for special services and fighting for her. And thank goodness I was home full time mm-hmm. with my, my son was home and this little miss, little sissy was home and I was able to um, call my mom when I needed someone to babysit so I could make calls and just make it happen. And it, there's a lot of tears and a lot of stress last year, but a lot of nurturing and a lot of love and early supports and services. I'm a huge fan of when they turn three months or before they're three months old, you just get in that door and say, we need, we need supports and services to come look at this child and just rule out, you know, any early you know, early childhood stuff and get them in OT if possible or PT if possible or speech or feeding therapy. So she's been through every type of therapy possible, mm-hmm. but she's like, she's a little overcomer. She um, is walking and saying some words and laughing and we put her hair in a little sprout, we call it a little sprout because she gets like a pony sticking Love up. It. <laughs> she smiles at everyone. She's super social and talkative and just She's almost your typical, you know, year and a half old almost. And Mm -hmm. so she's come a long way and um, she's a really beautiful part of our family. She was the first out of all the four, the foster children that we've had. I bonded with immediately Mm -hmm. Um, and she did, she did to me as well. We were just immediate enraptured with each other. I look at the pictures my husband took. He's a photographer when she first came home and there's just the love in our eyes, looking at each other, (laughs) staring into each other's eyes. It's just like she needed a mom to step in a mama. Yes, that that woman. So, oh, I love that so much. It's so encouraging, especially just to not be afraid to say yes to a kid who might have special medical needs. Um, And just knowing that, you know, if you are feeling like this is something that we can and we can do, like, then we're going to be able to do it, you know, like we're going to be able to be equipped for this. So that's really encouraging. 
Well, I would love for people to be able to follow along with you online. Um, where can people learn more about your story? So on Instagram, you can just look up my name, uh, Brittany Moultrup, and um, you can probably look in Kathleen's show notes for that. I'm sure if yeah. you want to spell my name properly, <laughs> just a disclaimer to my friends out there who are foster parents. If you see that I'm private, you just have to ask to follow me. I'm very cautious about what I post and I like to keep my network kind of small, but I also know that life's too short to cut out the possibility of networking with friends. So mm. I do post cautiously about my children. I want them to grow up and be able to decide when their story gets shared and how, but they are on there. Um, so you'll see my family and I try to po post uplifting quotes from time to time, but you can check me out on Instagram and Facebook, Brittany Moultrie. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Brittany, and for having this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you, my friends.